Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading at verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says, Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large crowd, and a large crowd, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. The son of Timaeus was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. And throwing aside his cloak, he jumped and came to Jesus and answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni. I want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Verse 51 says, in answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that means teacher, I want to regain, I want to recover my sight. Amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, I want to get it back. I want to get it back. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I I grew up, uh, I'm a millennial, but I was raised, um, as many of you, by uh, baby boomers. Uh, I had an old school upbringing. Uh, My parents didn't take no mess. 
Um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I grew up getting whoopings. Uh, can I get a witness? One of the worst whoopings, though, I ever remember getting in my life, and my mother did not give many whoopings. Uh, matter of fact, my mother was not the disciplinarian in my house simply because uh, she was so, so tenderhearted. And when she got mad enough to finally give a whooping, she would either go overboard and hurt herself, swinging wild. By the time the whooping was over, we'd be comforting her because she done bent her nail back. And we'd be like, it's all right, mama. You tried. But one of the worst whoopings I ever got in my life, one of the most painful whooping experiences I ever got was from my mother because I had stolen something. And my mom told me these words that I'll never forget. It's two things I can't stand. A liar and a thief. I cannot stand when someone lies to me or when they take something from me that I didn't allow them to have. And I've taken that into my adulthood, into my relationship with the devil. Two things I can't stand, a liar and a thief. For the Bible says that Satan is not only a liar, but he is the father of lies. Jesus said in John that the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And as I navigate my relationship with God, I've discovered that there are some things that the devil has taken from me. I might be by myself, but there is some peace that the devil has taken from me. There is some joy that the devil has taken from me. There is some prosperity that the devil has robbed from me. And I'm in a place where I'm wanting back everything that the devil has stolen from me. As a matter of fact, sometimes some of the things that the devil has taken from me, beloved, he's used me and my poor decisions to help steal from me. Now, it's something when someone steals something from you, but it's another thing when they enlist you as an accomplice in the theft against yourself because some of your decisions have robbed you of some peace. Some of your decisions have robbed you of some joy. Some of your bad financial decisions have robbed you of some of your provision, but even still, I'm in a place where I'm asking God to give it back to me because even though the devil is a liar and he is a thief and there were some things in in my life that I have to admit that the devil sometimes with my help has stolen from me the thing I love about God beloved is that no matter what I've lost and no matter how I have lost it I serve a savior with the power to help me recover everything that the devil has taken from me if Jesus gets involved in my situation he has the power to help me recover everything that I've lost in my life do I 
I have a witness in the building? Is there anybody here that knows that when God gets involved, when Jesus steps into your situation, he has the power to help you recover everything that you've lost. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my wife the other day and I was telling my wife uh, that the last three years here in Jacksonville had really done a number on us, but I was talking to my friend. Uh, he's a bishop and he lives in St. Louis and I was telling my friend, uh, I said, me and Teresa are in a good place, Doc. We haven't recovered at all, but we've recovered most of it. God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to in the building. Is there anybody here who can testify that you serve a God that will help you recover? And you might not be all the way there, but you're living proof that he'll give you some of it back. But if you don't want to settle for some, I've got good news. If you stick with Jesus long enough, he's got the power to give you back everything that you've lost. And that's what the Bible is teaching us in this particular passage of scripture. The Bible allows us to look into the life of a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. The Bible tells us that Bartimaeus is blind, but Bartimaeus was not born blind. And because Bartimaeus is currently blind, the Bible says that he is begging on the side of the road as he does every day. But on this particular day, in this particular passage of scripture, something different happens in Bartimaeus's life. The Bible says that while he's begging on the side of the road in between Jerusalem and Jericho, the Bible says that Jesus shows up and changes Bartimaeus's life. Now, there are a few things that I want to point out about this passage of scripture. I'm not feeling well in my body, so I'm not going to preach long today. I need you to catch it when I throw it at you. Listen, uh, there are a few things that I want you to understand about Bartimaeus' life. First of all, Bartimaeus is blind. And because he is blind, the Bible says that his blind condition forces him to become a beggar. <coughs> he is begging because he is blind. And whenever you don't have vision, beloved, you are forced to be dependent on whatever people will give you because you can't see for yourself. God help me. Bartimaeus is forced to be led by others because he doesn't have a vision for his own life. God help me. And whenever you are blind, beloved, you're going to have to depend on other people in an unhealthy way. As a matter of fact, how many of you have found yourself in relationships, not by choice, but out of necessity? God help me. Uh, because you couldn't do for yourself. You hooked up with somebody that you thought could do for you but now instead of helping you they're hurting you because you have unhealthy dependence on somebody that you wouldn't have hooked up with if you could see. Oh Lord. There's nothing like hooking up with somebody that you wouldn't be with if you were in your right mind. God help me. There's nothing like settling for somebody that you know you wouldn't be with if you had vision and if you had character and if you had hope and if you had your own help you wouldn't be with them if you could see and Bartimaeus now is begging in a state of unhealthy dependence because he cannot see and when you are blind you face having to be led by people that you wouldn't tolerate if you had vision not only that though Bartimaeus listen to me Bartimaeus has now to settle for whatever people will give him. He has to settle for scraps and he has to settle for change and 
He has to settle for whatever people will throw to him on the side of the road. But in actuality, he doesn't need scraps. He does not need change. What he needs is his sight. And when you are blind, you have to settle for whatever people will give you because they don't really have the power to fix what's wrong. And we have to get out of the place where we're accepting people trying to anesthetize our pain with scraps and change when really what we need to do is fix the issue. And the issue is we are blind. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody here that can say, I know what I need and people aren't giving me what I need. They're giving me other things. See, so, like, can I keep it real with you? We have a way of going around the issue instead of treating what's actually wrong. So you'll try to go to the club and you'll party it away. You'll try to get in a relationship and date it away. You'll start being promiscuous and try to sleep it away and try to smoke it away and do whatever you can do to try to make the pain go away. But in actuality, what it is is you don't need sex, money, and drink, and weed, and company. What you need is your sight back. Because if you could see, you would understand that what you're doing is not helping you. It's hurting you. But when you're blind, you got to beg. <coughs> Bartimaeus could not see. He was unable to see. But what I love about Bartimaeus is Bartimaeus did not allow what he couldn't do to stop him from doing what he could do. Bartimaeus didn't let what handicapped him to keep him from doing what he could do. See, some of us will have an issue and because we got one issue, We'll spend so much time victimizing ourselves and feeling sorry for ourselves because of that one issue that we won't do anything with the things that God left us. So God says, yeah, you might not be able to see, but what else can you do? And can I tell you what Bartimaeus shows us in the text? I promise I'm in my Bible. Bartimaeus could not see. But number one, verse 47 tells us that he could hear. God help me. Yeah, Bartimaeus couldn't see, but Bartimaeus could hear. Because the Bible says that even though Bartimaeus was blind, verse 47 says he still heard about Jesus. And when he heard about Jesus, that gave him the ability to have faith to believe that Jesus could do something for him that nobody else could do. Come here, let me preach to you. This is why you can't habitually miss church. This is why you gotta be in the building to get a word for your life. Because even in seasons when you cannot see, God God can still get a word to you. God help me. Who am I preaching to in the building? Is there anybody here who's glad about the fact that even in seasons when you could not see, God still gave you a word that increased your faith. I can't see but I heard. God help me. I can't see but I heard that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can't see my way out of this financial lack but I heard that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus. I can't see my way out of this depression, but I heard 
said that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I can't see my way out of this anxiety, but I heard that a weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I might not be able to see my way out of this place of purpose and out of this place of no destiny and out of this place of unfulfillment, but God help me. I heard that you got the, that you know the plans that you have for me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give me a future and a hope. Even when you can't see, you can still hear. <coughs> Bartimaeus couldn't see, but he could hear. God help me preach. But not only could he hear, the Bible says he could holler. God help me. I, uh, because the Bible says that even though Bartimaeus was unable to see, that when he heard about Jesus, when he heard that the one who could help him had finally entered into a situation, the Bible says that he didn't sit there cute waiting for Jesus to read his mind. But the Bible said that he began to holler out to God, God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to in the building, but you might not be able to see, but you can hear and you got a voice, God help me. That's why you got to learn how to open up your mouth and give God praise in a low place. We're not trying to pump you up and prime you, we're trying to teach you how to make contact with God. See, some of y'all are too quiet. God, help me. You'll yell at the TV. You'll yell at Instagram. You'll yell at all kinds of stuff. Lift up your voice at a Jaguars game and they losing. But God said, you'll come in here in the presence of the only one who can fix your problems and act like you're too quiet. God, help me. Like you're too reserved. But God said, if you really need something, you'll learn how to open up your mouth and get what you need from God. Bartimaeus said, look, I may not be able to hear but I can see but I can hear and I can holler but notice notice now this is what I love about the text uh, Bartimaeus might does not start off his holler asking Jesus to give him his sight back but when he hollers out to God, he says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Doesn't ask him for healing, but he asks him for mercy. Now mercy, beloved, is when goodness is bestowed at the moment when punishment is deserved. Bartimaeus does not ask him for healing, God help me, but he asks him for mercy because Bartimaeus understands that whatever he's dealing with, he deserves to deal with for the rest of his life. He doesn't deserve to get his sight back. He does not deserve to be regenerated. He does not deserve for God to help him. I'm trying to help y'all because some of you, the reason why you can't get your breakthrough is because you keep asking stupid questions like, why me? Why am I going through it? God, I don't deserve this. I didn't deserve for my husband to cheat. I didn't deserve for my wife to cuss me out. I didn't deserve for that person to leave me. I didn't deserve for this person to betray me. You deserve worse than that. You deserve to go to hell and burn for 
for the rest of eternity. You don't deserve anything but a burning hell. But Bartimaeus says, I understand something else about God. God does not give me things based on my worthiness, but he gives me things based on his worthiness. In other words, God does not bless me because I am good. He blesses me because he is good. And Bartimaeus says, Lord, I know I don't deserve to get my sight back, but I believe in your goodness enough to ask you to have mercy on me. Oh God, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody needs to change their prayers. Stop asking God for stuff and start asking him to have mercy. Stop asking God to give you a new car and a new job and a better marriage and ask him to have mercy because you deserve, God help me, exactly what you're getting, but God is good enough that he won't give you what you deserve. He says, have mercy on me. That's why every time I come to church, my prayer is the Lord grow the church as Lord have mercy. That's why when I get sick in my body, my prayer isn't God heal me, it's Lord have mercy. That's why when I have problems in my marriage and in my money and in my mind and in my stuff, I don't say God fix my stuff. I say Lord have mercy because you might give me help for a moment, but your mercy endures forever. God help me. Is there anybody here who can say I don't need a temporary fix? Because if God gives me a temporary fix, the temporary fix will run out but I read in his word that his mercy endures forever so God don't give me a car just have mercy on my transportation situation God don't give me any more money just have mercy on my finances God don't just relieve my depression but have mercy because your mercy endures forever he says Jesus son of David have mercy on me. Oh, Jesus, son of David. Uh, I don't have time to deal with that, uh, but if I could pause there parenthetically, I would insert this, that the term son of David means that he understood who Jesus was. God help me. Uh, even people who were descended from David dare not call themselves sons of David uh, because son of David was a messianic title that meant that Bartimaeus knew that the person he was talking to had the power to heal him. Understand this, that Jesus, Yeshua, was a popular name in the Hebrew culture of that day. Palestinian Jews all over the place would have been naming their sons Yeshua, especially because a great Israelite in history named Joshua, the successor of Moses, was a famous person. So many, of, many people would have had the name Yeshua. But in order for Bartimaeus to distinguish that he wasn't talking to everybody, because church folk got a problem with people who holler, God help me. And so Bartimaeus wanted them to understand that if you got a problem with what I'm saying, tune me out, because I'm not talking to you. I'm addressing my holler to the only one who can help me. I'm addressing my holler to the helper, and the helper is the son of David, who is the only one who has the power to have mercy on me. I, I know it sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm in the text. Verse 48 says, that there are people in the crowd who sternly tell him to be quiet. But the Bible says 
that the more they told him to shut up, the louder he got. God help me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. God help me. Oh Lord, he says, the louder, the more you tell me to be quiet, <coughs> the more I'm going to lift my voice. God help me. Oh, and beloved, I need you to understand, you cannot allow people to censor your praise. Oh, God, help me. Uh, you can't allow the crowd to tell you when it's all right to give him glory. God, help me. Oh, God, I, there are people, and you know people like this. They're, they're, you know people like this. Uh, they'll praise based on who they're around, not based on what they need. God, help me. So if they feel like they can praise in front of people and not be embarrassed, then they'll give God a great praise. But if they feel like they'll be embarrassed in front of a certain crowd, then they'll tailor their praise to the crowd. But the problem is my praise is not to the crowd. My praise is in front of the crowd. And don't get it twisted. Just because I'm praising in front of you, that doesn't mean that I'm praising for you. You can see me, but my worship is going to God. And so Bartimaeus says, just so you know that it's not about you, the more you tell me to be quiet the louder I'm going to get into the presence of God oh not only that but there's a problem uh, the problem Joe is that the crowd is telling him to shut up but everybody in the crowd can see You're telling me to be quiet, but you already got what I'm asking God for. And can I tell you a problem that I got with Christians? Uh, uh, people will stay in the presence of God all day till they get their breakthrough. But when it's not about them, they want to bounce and leave early. God help me. The prayer line too long. Uh, it's taking too long for people to get delivered. They're telling them to shut up because they already got theirs. But real Christians understand that it's not about you. And you need to hang in there until everybody gets their breakthrough. Bartimaeus says, I need my sight. But not only that. You can't allow your praise to be influenced by people who don't need what you need. You don't know what I got to give God if you don't need what I need. You can still see. So you may not need, it may not take all of that for you. But if you're blind and you need something from the Lord, God help me then you'll lift up your voice like you need something from them. So stop allowing people who aren't desperate to tell you, God help me, how you need to give God praise. Stop allowing people who are not desperate for God to determine your volume and how early you show up for worship and how hard you pray and how much you cry and whether or not you get down on your knees and whether or not you scream and whether or not you lay out in the floor. God says you can't allow people who already got what you're waiting on to determine what you need because if they needed what you needed they'd be doing what you're doing God help me oh you got to understand that God has something for you that he's only going to give when you show him how desperate you are the volume of your praise 
is directly related to the desperation you need or you have for your deliverance. So if you got big problems, then you give big hollers. God help me. If you got little problems, then you can come into his presence and whisper. But I didn't come to preach to whispering Christians this morning. I came to preach to some people who can say, I need too much from God for me to allow somebody that's wanted, that want to come in his presence and be stuck up and be cute and act like you don't need anything. But then you're going to go home crying, laying over in the midnight hour. No, God said Jesus is here and you got to holler until you get his attention. Hmm. At this point in the text now, uh, two groups of people have spoken. Bartimaeus has spoken. The crowd has spoken, but we're still waiting on Jesus to speak. Jesus has not yet spoken. Because I believe that Jesus is measuring Bartimaeus' tenacity. Jesus wants to see whether or not Bartimaeus is going to be influenced by the crowd. Because we have too many crowd-influenced people who claim to follow Christ. Yeah, we got too many people that can be discouraged and dissuaded and moved by the crowd. You don't even pick what TV shows you like. You like to see what other people like to watch. You don't even choose what music you listen to. You want to hear what everybody else listens to. Uh, let me help you. You don't even have your own vernacular and your own lingo. You watch TV and you're talking like Tamar and the Real Housewives and the people you see on television. But people who follow Christ influence the crowd. They're not influenced by the crowd. And when Bartimaeus refuses to allow, listen to me, the crowd is trying to influence Bartimaeus' speech. Satan is trying to use the crowd to make Bartimaeus do the wrong thing with his mouth. Because if Satan can use the crowd to control your mouth, then he can cut off your blessing. Because your blessing is attached to your mouth. Oh God. That's why James says, if anyone seems to be religious and cannot control his tongue, that man is a liar and his religion is in vain. You got to learn how to control your mouth because deliverance is in your mouth. So Satan will try to shut your mouth in the midst of affliction. He'll try to embarrass you out of calling on God. He'll try to embarrass you out of worship because he knows that your deliverance is attached to your mouth. So the Bible says we're waiting on Jesus to speak. When Jesus sees that Bartimaeus cannot be influenced by the crowd, the Bible says that Jesus stops and says, call him here. <laughs> Bring him close to me. Notice now, you got to read the Bible for it to bless you. Notice that Jesus doesn't tell Bartimaeus to come here. But when Bartimaeus commits to lifting up his voice in a hostile environment, when, when Bartimaeus 
decides to praise the Lord in the presence of people who don't like his praise. Jesus is so gangster that he makes the people that tried to make Bartimaeus shut up, escort him into his presence. God, help me. Oh, God. He, 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 he makes the same people that tried to make him shut up deliver him into his presence. God, help me. I know you don't believe it, but David said it this way. Uh, he'll prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. God, help me. God will turn your haters into ushers. God, help me to walk you into the presence of God. Oh, God, the people that wanted to see you fail will have to walk you into your blessed place. He says, look, all of you that tried to make him shut up, go get him and bring him to me. God, help me. Oh, is there anybody here who's waiting on the day where your praise will be rewarded by the people who didn't like you? having to usher you into the presence of God. People who didn't want you to make it are going to have to bless you. God, help me. People who didn't want to see you get there are going to have to take you there. God, help me. You might not have wanted to see me make it, but you're going to be my driver. God, help me. Oh, God's going to turn your agitators into armor bearers. He's going to turn your haters into your helpers. God, help me. He's going to turn haters into elevators. They're going to take you higher. He says, call them. Call him here. He didn't say come here. He could have said, hey, Bartimaeus, come here. But he didn't do that. He said, hey, uh, hey, man, he loud, ain't he? Uh, kind of obnoxious, right? Didn't y'all just tell him to shut up? Yeah, Jesus, we told him to shut up. He didn't want to shut up. Do me a favor. Go on down over there and grab it. Huh? What, what, what did you say? You heard me. Go, go on down there. And that one that you told, shut up. Bring him into my presence. And notice then what happens. The same people that were once telling him to shut up. Tell him, take courage. Stand up. He's calling for you. God, help me. Oh, God, I'm not talking to everybody now. I'm only talking to people who got big purpose. I'm only talking to people who got big destiny. I'm only talking to people who the hand of the Lord is on your life and people have been looking past you and been looking over you and they feel as if you don't have anything to offer. I want to tell you that sooner or later, people who didn't like you and who didn't see you and who ignored you are going to have to acknowledge that God is calling for you. God, help me. Is there anybody who, who's got a calling on their life and you wondered why people have been looking past? God is setting the stage for those same people who ignored you are going to have to invite you. And don't be stuck up. Don't be mad. Don't hold it against them because nobody wants to hear what you got to say when you're blind. But when they realize that Jesus is calling for you, then you're going to be in demand. God, help me. And who am I preaching to in the building that knows that my season is coming? I might be blind right now but sooner or later you're going to have to recognize that he's calling for me he said look there's so much in this text uh, it says take courage and stand up why because he is calling for you uh, he's calling for you. Look, verse 50 says, so then he throws aside his cloak and jumps up. 
<laughs> and came to Jesus. He throws aside his cloak. Uh, now you got to understand now in, in, in this particular uh, historical context, it was the outer garment that identified him as a beggar. So when he heard, Kenny, that Jesus had called him, he knew that Jesus didn't call him for no reason. He knew that Jesus had called him to change his situation. And so he gets up in faith and throws off the one thing that could identify him with his past. God, help me. And runs to Jesus. God, help me. And Jesus said, when I called for you, you've got to do like blind Bartimaeus and throw off the one thing that would remind people of who you used to be and come to me. God, help me. I don't care what they used to identify you as. I don't care what you used to identify yourself as. But when Jesus calls you, you got to learn how to throw off what identified you as a beggar, what identified you as a liar, what identified you as a gossip, what identified you as self-righteous, what identified you as promiscuous, what identified you as a hustler, what identified you as a player. You got to throw it off and run to Jesus because he's getting ready to change your identity. Verse 51, and I'm done. So then... He throws off the garment. The one thing that could remind us of who we used to be. Because Bartimaeus says that when Jesus calls me, he doesn't call me so I can stay the same. So whatever he does, I ain't going to need this no more. God help me. I'm not going to need this beggar's garment anymore because either he's going to make me well or he's going to make me rich. Something's going to happen. I, I, I'm not going to be the same after I encounter Jesus. I might see Jesus and still not be able to see, but he's going to lead me somewhere where I'm not going to have to beg ever again. And Jesus does something that blows my mind. Jesus, because... He is the omniscient God. He knows everything. He is God in flesh. He is what theologians call the theanthropos. He is God and man at the same time, existing in complete hypostasis. He is fully God and fully man. He is so man that he got hungry in the desert and so God that he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He is fully man, so much man that if he stubbed his toe as a baby, he would have cried out for his mother, but so much God that while he was being crucified he said woman behold your son and son behold your mother he is fully man and fully God at the same time but so much God that his humanity did not contaminate his divinity and his divinity did not wipe out his humanity he knows everything but he asked Bartimaeus a question that does not make sense to me if you know what he needs, why would you ask him what he wants? Because you're God enough to know that everybody's not mature enough to ask for what they need when you ask them what they want. But Jesus gives Bartimaeus a choice 
And Bartimaeus teaches us something by giving the right answer to God's question. Bartimaeus says, he says, Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Huh. Uh, notice, the text is very explicit now. He says, I want to regain my sight. He doesn't say, I want to receive my sight. Because the Bible tells us in Luke that there was a man that was blind from birth. And his request to God was that he receive his sight. But Bartimaeus does not say, Lord, I want to receive something that I've never had before. Bartimaeus says, I want to get back something that I lost. I, I want to regain my sight. He tells him that there is something that I had, but somewhere along the line, there was an accident. There was an incident. There was something that happened. I was mishandled. Something happened to me and I lost it along the way. But I'm believing that you'll be able to help me regain, regain my sight. And let me pause there for a moment and just ask you, what did you lose and when did you lose it? God, help me. I, I, I don't know who I'm, who I'm talking to today, but there are some people in the building uh, that have lost some stuff, that, that, that you've lost some things, that some people have taken some things from you. you. You lost it along the way, and you're hoping that you'll be able to recover. You're hoping that you'll be able to get it back. You're hoping that you'll be able to recover it, and you're asking God today. You showed up at church this morning saying, Lord, I don't want to receive something that I've never had, but I want to gain something that I lost along the way. Huh. For Bartimaeus, it was his sight. For you, it might be your peace. For Bartimaeus, it was his sight. For you, it might be a good night's sleep. For Bartimaeus, it was his sight. For you, it might be healthy relationships. For Bartimaeus, it was his sight. But for you, it might be gainful employment and the ability to pay all of your bills at the same time without having to rob Peter to pay Paul. For Bartimaeus, it was his sight. But for you, it might be your joy in the midst of depressing circumstances. For Bartimaeus, it was his sight. But what is it for you and when did you lose it? He says, Lord, I lost it. Whew. But I believe huh, that you can give it back to me. If I could use, as my daddy would say, my sanctified imagination. I, I, I can see Bartimaeus now going back through the Rolodex of his memory. And remembering what the sunrise looked like on a Sunday morning. I, I, I can see Bartimaeus reminiscing about the beauty of nature and the trees and the birds. And seeing smiles on other people's faces. And I believe that as Bartimaeus is reminiscing, he believes that Jesus is going to return. 
Get back to him. And, and I, don't, I don't want to mess with nobody. I'm not trying to make you emotional. But is there anybody that can remember what it felt like to see? God, help me. Oh, God, you remember what it felt like to have joy. You remember what it felt like to be excited about worship and to come into the house of God. Didn't nobody have to pump you up and prime you. You would just be able to lift your hands and give him glory. You remember what it was like to be able to share the gospel with joy and to tell people about the you remember what it felt like to see. And Bartimaeus says to Jesus, I want that back. I want my sight back. Now, verse 52, and I'm done. He says, I want to get my sight back. And Jesus says something to him. There is a test in the text, beloved. Jesus says to him, go. Your faith has made you well. Listen to me. He says, your faith has made you well. And the Bible says, immediately, he regained his sight. But there is a paradox in the text. Because Bartimaeus does something that many of us would not do. Jesus tells him to go and to leave with his miracle. But the Bible says that after he got what he needed from the Lord, he didn't take his miracle and go home. The Bible says he began following Jesus on the road. God help me. I, I got to mess with you now. Too many of us are guilty of getting what we need from God and leaving. God help me. And going home and spending our tax return and, and, and taking our blessing and taking our prosperity and taking it home. But Jesus said, look, <coughs> you're free to go. Your healing is not predicated upon you staying with me. But Bartimaeus understands something that many of us don't recognize. Bartimaeus understands that if I lost it once, I can lose it again. So my best choice to keep my sight lies with me sticking with Jesus. Because if I ever lose my sight again, God help me. He can give it back. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I just came to tell you I'm sticking with Jesus. The reason why I'm sticking with him is because he blessed me once, but I'm not addicted to blessing. God help me. I'm in love with the blesser. God help me because I can lose the blessing. And if I keep the blesser, he can always bless me again. Bartimaeus said, look here, you told me to go. You gave me permission to go. I'm not less saved if I go. I'm not less spiritual if I go, but I'm committed 
submitted to the one who healed me. And is there anybody here who can say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I've decided to stick with him. I know I can go home and God's not going to curse me for not tithing. God's not going to kill me for not miss for missing church. God's not going to send me to hell if I don't do some of the things that y'all think I should do. But the reason I'm going to be obedient and follow Jesus is because somewhere along the line, I remember losing my sight. And I know that if I stick with him, he'll give me my sight back. Who am I preaching to in the building? I dare somebody to understand, to say I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm sticking with him all the way. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm sticking with the Lord.